Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is Sunday, April 25th. It is sinking in that we are finishing up April and almost into May. Welcome to all of you. I'm so glad to have you all here. A um, couple of announcements. This coming Wednesday night is Spring Church Council here in the building at 7 o'clock. They will also be on Zoom. I believe I sent that information out. and I'll be sending it out again on Tuesday in case you wanted to log in from home. The ballot should be in the back. If you, want to, if you are unable to attend in person, you may vote from home and bring your ballot in. Um, it's due Sunday morning, um, so we can count it that week. Uh, Tuesday, we have Bible study. We'll be finishing up the book of Ruth this week, but you are invited to jump in, even if you haven't uh, been following along with us. Looking through, see if we have. Do we have any other announcements you'd like to raise today? I will put in a reminder if you are a chairman of a committee to make sure that if you have not had your commission report in yet, please, please, please get it in no later than Tuesday so that Becky can get it all together. <laughs> Uh, one other announcement, uh, one other announcement, um, just a, it's a mistype in here that the altar flowers today aren't in memory of Marge Knepp. Um, but I don't think they're in memory of anyone today, correct? No, they just, okay. As we move into our time of sharing, I do have one request up here from our sister Renee for her mother, Letta. Is it Letta? Letha. Letha, thank you, I should have asked before. For her mother, Letha, who had a mild stroke this last week. Continued prayers for her and her husband who is struggling to understand with his Alzheimer's. Our sister, Becky's sister, Robin, is having her second cancer treatment tomorrow. Um, Eric, um, who's been, has cancer in his jaw, has had his first treatment up in Cleveland. They had been planning to stay up in Cleveland at a hotel, but have decided it's easier to, to make the trip every day or as needed. Um, so he's able to be at home as he continues his cancer treatments. Well, if you will join me, please, in the call to worship which today is based off of Psalm 33. The Lord is right and true. We rejoice with pen, with instruments, and with voice. By the breath of God's mouth, earth, water, and heavens formed. The Lord watches over us, considering all we do. 
no earthly power can withstand or escape from God. In God we rejoice.
you'll pray with me. Holy Creator, we come and rejoice. We rejoice at the word that comes from your mouth that fills the heavens, the oceans, and the earth, that breathes life into each one of us. We pray that that is the presence we hear that fills us, that lifts us, that empowers us, that it is what we rely on. Gracious Father, watch over us. We lift up those in our lives who need your care and your love as well as ours. We lift up Robin and Eric and Letha. We pray for you to walk with them and to walk with us. We pray in the name and in the words that the Son taught us so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's not temptation. For thine is the kingdom. Thine kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our friend and brother Joel will be providing some special music today.
John 10, 11 through 18, Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep who are not in the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from the Father. Amen. It started in the meat aisle of Giant in Pennsylvania, at least out in central and eastern Pennsylvania. We don't have Giant Eagles. We just have giants. Big difference. Anyway, <laughs> so I was in Giant walking to the meat aisle, and as was my usual of that time, especially, was to look through all the meats there and look for the ones with the yellow tags. They were the meat on its last stand. Therefore, I could get a good deal on it. And that day, there was a pack of filet mignon. Okay, I'll give this a shot. I got the filet, I brought it home, I seasoned it, I allowed it to get to room temperature. I sat it underneath the broiler for just the right amount of time, flipped it just the right amount of time, brought it out, let it sit on an open rack so that the proteins would open up and hold the moisture in. And then we had it for dinner. Lauren looked at me and asked, how much did you have to drink today? I said, I haven't had anything to drink. She, you are acting like you had. I was like, I am just enjoying this piece of meat way too much. It was true. It was delicious. The sense of taste is amazing. To think that we have this thing that's designed to keep us from eating things we shouldn't and things that we should, is somehow at this, can be elevated to something that we can derive supreme enjoyment from. I know not everyone feels the same way about food as I do, but I have those meals once in a while I just love so much. I wish I could eat it forever. But it's this simple thing called taste. And smell. The two are closely linked. It's a sense. Senses are one of those really weird things. Once you start really taking it apart and examining the whole thing, because after all, we don't really experience the world directly, if you want to think about it the way the brain works. Instead, the brain receives all this sensory information and then it takes it and it, it defines it. It recodes it for us and our brains are able to put together our perceptual, perceptual world. Like when I look out at all of you, 
What's happening is lights are hit, reflecting off of you going into my eye where it's refocused against a set of cells in the back of my eye that each pick up color or black and white and send that on into my brain where it takes that information, flips it back in the right place and puts it all together so that I perceive all of you where you are sitting. What I hear is the sound reflecting out of the speakers and my voice hitting things around, coming back, hitting my eardrums, and then being encoded into digital uh, electrical information going into my cortex and putting it together to make words. What I feel right now standing here is the gravity pulling me down into my shoes or the fact that I trimmed my beard this morning, which means my shirt's a little itchy. It's itchy. <laughs> Our sensors all over my body are sending up this information into my brain, which is pulling it together and telling me where that is happening. I still taste a little bit of the coffee I had this morning on my tongue. And as far as my sense of smell goes at the moment, it's pretty neutral in here because I guess we all bathed recently. Yeah, all I smell is the deodorant. But all of these come together inside my brain to build an image of the world around me. It doesn't take very much, surprisingly, for those signals to be confused. Yep. For some, it's an actual, there's an actual disorder. It's called a synesthesia. So what happens in synesthesia is that information that goes to one sense affects a different sense. The most common one is, does with your hearing and your sight. You may be listening to a music, some music, or just a tone or the sound of someone's voice and you close your eyes and your mind's eye, you see a color because the visual part of your brain has been stimulated by the sound and so now you hear a color. It can do other things. There's different forms of this disorder. For some people, it stimulates the part of their brain that does with faces and personalities of, of people. And all of a sudden, you have a relationship with the number three because it's a really friendly number who loves bright pink. That's just how your brain works. It's kind of a window into the fact that all of us perceive things differently. I mean, as I'm standing up here, we have these flowers over there, which there's a light purple, there's a dark purple, a pink, green, and you have to get a little close to see it, little tiny white buds. That's how my eyes perceive it. And I would argue that most of you, if you don't have some kind of color deficiency, you would see those same colors. But how do you know, and how do I know, that that pink flower there looks pink to all of you the same way? We may agree that it's called pink, but I have no idea if it's the actual same pink. And if you have a color deficiency, a lot of people don't figure it out until late in life because they don't realize that they see the world differently. Because in the end, perception is personal. It reminds me of this artist whose name is Neil Harbison. 
Neil was born, I think, in, in Holland or Germany. I'm not 100% sure on it, but he's lived in England for the last couple decades. He was born as an acromat. Now, an acromat is someone who lacks the cone cells in their eyes. The cones are what gives you color perception. He only has rods, black and white. So his entire world is black and white. He wanted to be an artist. He wanted to be a painter, which you might imagine as someone who can't see color, that can pose a problem. He had to get special permission to paint everything in grays and whites and blacks. Well, he found a way around it, a little sensor. It hangs like an antenna up over his head, about right here. And this sensor can see color. And it's attached to a plate he had installed at the back of his skull. And whatever color it sees, it vibrates at a certain frequency for whatever color. So like, I believe C is canary yellow, while B is turquoise. And an E is a green. He, when he looks around and as his sensor moves about, it plays a symphony of sound into the back of his skull that he can hear through bone conduction. Now that was his life for a long time. He just memorized. He knew by the tone of it what he was looking at. But then his brain started to do some amazing things. It changed its perception. He started to dream in color, at least what he calls color. Again, he sees in black and white his perception of color. And then he started to see this color. All of this to say that our perception is both wonderful and a magnificent thing, but also personal and subject to confusion. It can be changed. We can change it ourselves. I don't see anyone here probably volunteering to have an antenna installed. I mean, if that's your thing, go right ahead. Don't feel like you need to. But it's also changed by how we interact with the world, how we talk to people, how we learn their stories. We can realize that our perception is not the world's perception, and that others have a different idea of what's happening out there. The thing is, it's really hard to give up the fact that our perception might not be quite correct. Because if I were to open up this conversation to say, who do you really trust? Some of you would have given the church correct answer of God. You are sitting in church after all. Some of you may have given the relationship correct answer of my spouse. But I think if you're really honest about it, the person you trust most is yourself. After all, who do you know better than? Who do you know your, who know, yeah, yeah. Whose experiences do you know best? Whose thoughts do you know best? Your own. 
and that's what we put our high trust in. I was having a conversation with a colleague pastor the, one, the other day. I won't go into everything we talked about, but it just kept striking me how much like we had lived very different lives and we saw the church very differently. And I had to be okay with the fact that my perception of who the brethren are, who the church is, what the church is, is not the same, despite the fact that we're both pastors and walking a similar path right now. Who do you put your trust in? Do you put your trust in the thing that you know is biased, is you, is subject to change, and is subject to being confused by those things out in the world? Like that little object that I can never remember what it's called that sits just outside the window of the sound booth that every time I'm in here practicing by myself, I catch it out of the corner of my eye and my brain thinks it's a person sitting there. It's not. My brain's just confused. Yeah, that thing right behind you, Don. Makes me jump every week. My perception has been confused. It makes a lot of sense, considering this, that Jesus calls his followers his sheep, his flock that he cares for. Sheep are amazing little creatures with their own personalities, with their, I don't know, if you ever spend time playing with a lamb, they're just enjoyable little things. But they're low to the ground. And sheep are really good at recognizing other sheep and recognizing their shepherd. But they can't see very far. That's why there's the shepherd there. The shepherd who knows where to lead them, who knows where the green grass is, where the edge of the cliff is, where the water is, who knows that if I go there, there will be predators. The sheep have to rely on the shepherd. Because as good as their perception is of the world, their perception is still limited by the fact that they are sheep. I know not everyone wants to be compared to a sheep, but after all, we are sheep in God's flock. Sometimes we have to put our trust, say sometimes, we should always be trying to put our trust in God, in Jesus, in the good shepherd who can see a lot farther than we can, who leads us to green pastures. And Jesus goes on to say, and guess what? You're not the only ones in this flock. We don't get to choose who comes in and who goes out. Jesus will go out and gather in. It's hard to let go. I mean, <coughs> if we think of the extreme end of trusting in God, it's a scary thing. I mean... How many here have ever lived the way that Jesus talked about, you know, 
Don't worry, just trust in God like the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. That's a little frightening, right? To not worry about where you're going to be clothed, to not worry about where you're going to eat or sleep. I guess I can't make the claim standing here in the pulpit any more than I can make the claim in my everyday life that I trust God that much. And I'm not sure I can. I've known a few people who can, and they live extraordinary lives for the most part. But that's hard. It's just like with my everyday perception. I have to accept that it's not always right. And that I should be placing my first trust in God and then my ability to see what's going on around me. Which again is not easy. But who said that following God was easy? Okay, Jesus says it's easy, but Jesus also says it's not easy. You know, the load's light, but the path is narrow. I'm going to have to look at his name again because I cannot remember how. Except I left my phone back here. <laughs> a few of you know this name, I'm sure. Duke Kahanamoku, who was a world-class swimmer and has basically popularized surfing as a, as a pastime and a sport. I would love to reach his level of trust with himself if I can find that level of trust with God. One time, while working as someone who inspected underwater piers and whatnot, he had a partner on land. The partner on land got to the next one and was sitting there and couldn't figure out where Duke was. And so finally, someone jumped in the water. You see, Duke was really good at taking a nap. He was really good at being in the water. He was really good at both of those things to such an extent that he trusted himself to just go ahead and take a nap underwater in his scuba gear while he was waiting for the guy on land to catch up. I'd like to be able to rely on God on that level, to know that I could take a nap underwater in scuba gear, knowing that everything will be okay. For the early church, this was something they had to learn. Because the early church had a lot going against it. It had the temple authorities who didn't like them. They ended up having the Romans who didn't like them. But they trusted the fact that God would walk through them despite the fact that they were being persecuted left and right. Despite the fact that they couldn't even, believe it or not, agree on everything. Despite the fact that they were only a generation or less from Jesus. They had to rely on the fact that God needed to be a part of the conversation and God needed to be the one who led them. So I guess that's our challenge in this day. 
to be able to trust God more than we trust our sense of taste and sight and hearing and smell and touch. To trust God so extremely that we could be okay falling asleep underwater in our scuba gear. To be able to trust God so much that our perceptional world is second and our relationship with the spirit and the guidance of God is first. That's a hard thing to do. But I think it's a worthy thing to try for. Thank you. As you step out and feel gravity pushing you down into your shoes, and you think about the fact that every step you take forward, you probably, I know some of you need to, but often don't need to think about every step you're taking, or the fact that the steering wheel is in this certain spot in your car, or that your keys are on, in your left-hand pocket. Rely on God like that, knowing that the ground is going to be where you put your foot, that God is more reliable than the ground, that God's more reliable than the sounds you hear, that God is more reliable than the sights you see. Think about it. Think about where God might open you up to the blind spots in your world and where you can put your trust. Amen.